0: Hello, and welcome to Episode 6 of the Cabbage Podcast, produced by Church
1: at Bowling Green in Kentucky, USA. I'm Kenan Ballew. And I'm Lee Folks, and we are continuing this season of the podcast Meditating on the Psalms. Uh, tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, we're going to do Psalm 95, um, it's a really good psalm we've been meditating on this week. So, um, Kenan, I'm going to start us off with a prayer, and then we will... Um, Jump into this if that's all right with you. Sounds great. All right, let's pray. God, I just ask you to to guide our discussion. God, the, the words that we um, share here, we pray that we can learn more about you, you and your heart and your love for us, the relationship you desire to have for uh, with us uh, through this psalm. Uh, I want to pray for all those who are listening as as we are um, trying to encourage each other during a time that is um unique in our lifetime and, and we just pray that we can continue to be an encouragement to one another and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how was your weekly? You know, it was it was pretty good. We're um it was I don't know, a lot of the same stuff, but, but it was a little off and on. I don't know. It was uh I don't know. I don't have a good way to describe it. There were some really good good moments, but there was I guess I'm in a new normal. Um, I guess that's probably the best way to put it, and it's not. I'm kind of used to just working from home more more often than not, and going to the office sometimes. So I don't know.
0: Have the residents at your
1: uh, work been handling this crisis well? For the most part, I I think so. It's um, I I feel like they have. We're continuing to do to do things, to try to help them and encourage them. We're just not... It's hard because there's not as much personal contact, which is really important when you talk about you know having relationships with people. So um, that's been a little different. What about you guys? Y'all had a good week? Uh, yeah, I think as a family, we're doing just fine.
0: Still having fun in the garden, playing with plants. Good. Going on walks around the neighborhood. Uh, my wife is still having troubles, but... No real new updates or anything there, but overall, we've had a good, peaceful week. We homeschool anyway, so as I've <laughs> said, this hasn't been a huge adjustment to us, except that there's just nothing to look forward to in the afternoons anymore, right outside of the house at least. Right. I'm still been having a blast though, just being at home and having lots of time just spinning with the kids and getting vegetable beds ready,
1: stuff like that. Oh, good enjoying nature as we talked about last week uh yeah i know i thought about that some this week as i spent um some time there's some uh we have some really cool uh birds that come around Have really pretty bluebird that come around our yard a lot um so anyway that's been kind of cool so
0: there's a pair of ducks that we found that live around the neighborhood it's like this male and female mallard and they just always wandering around we don't know if they have a nest nearby or what but we've seen them for about three (laughs) or four weeks now wandering around maybe we'll see some ducklings one of these days
1: hey that'd be awesome so um so this week we did psalm 95 and i don't know how you um felt about it it was it was one i think we mentioned this last week there are um a couple of songs that i am familiar with anyway i assume other people are too but um for the first part of this and um as we read it and i'm assuming those who are listening here have have read this already um it's funny because I was I was just thinking, you know, there's, we've got a song, you know, come let us sing for joy to the Lord and let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Um, there's a song called come let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our God our maker. Um, I, I don't know why we don't have a song called um, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah or the day of Massa <laughs> in the wilderness. I think that would be a good one. We should finish it out. But um, well, let's not skip to the end yet. Let's uh, go through it. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm like I said. I assume everybody's read it. Um, it does take a hard turn, though. I
0: mean, if if you read the beginning, it's like, oh, praise, happy, joy, and then all of a sudden, oh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I know. And so, and that's kind of the part that I've focused on a lot is is how does that fit into the whole the psalm as a whole? And and the thing that I came up with, and I don't know, I'm sure there are lots of ways to categorize this this psalm or or the to dissect the Psalm, but I kind of saw it as a little bit of a progression. Um, I don't know if you can take it really piece by piece, but you know, the first part is about really about God's power. Um, we're going to, we're going to sing for joy because God is powerful. Um, it talks about his, um, you know, being above all other gods and, um, holding the depths of earth in his hand and creating everything and, and creating the seas and the land. Um, and I think that that's a, you know, that's a big deal. We want, to, we see that and we are are thankful to have that God as as one who, um, you know, is there for us. And then the second piece being about, um, I'm just going to go through this if that's okay, but about kneeling, you know, that that you kneel and worship. I think um, it's one thing to to know that there's a God who has that kind of power and we can be excited about that and joyful about that. But to know that he wants a relationship with us, I think there's a, a natural response of this kneeling and worshiping, um, and I think we see that throughout the Gospels when people come into contact with, with Jesus. I think of Peter. Um, I think of the um, several people who were healed—Nicodemus, not Nicodemus, um, Zacchaeus. Um, you know, they they came into contact with Jesus and they fell at his feet and worshipped him. Um, there's this natural response and. Um, But then I think sometimes, and and again, I could go several different ways with this, but that part at the end, um, I think sometimes after we get through that, after we, um, and I think we see this with the disciples a little bit, um, after you get past the Jesus is the creator of the universe or God's creator of the universe and he wants a relationship with me, sometimes we can tend to take that for granted and kind of become hard hearted. Um, and and start to take things for granted. Um, we can go through each of those pieces, I guess, but that was how I kind of overall saw the the, the psalm as going and, and really focused a lot on that that hard-hearted piece because I think that's where I'm the most um, that's where I relate most to this psalm. So to sum up, you kind of see this like a cycle like see the
0: Lord, you're happy, you're praising him, you're in awe, you fall down at his feet. But then your heart gets hardened, and then it kind of
1: repeats. I guess that's a cycle that probably repeats in most of us. Yeah, I, I think that's probably. I think that's probably a good way to put it. It's not that we are always one or always the other. I mean, you know, there's again. I I think we could be. Sometimes we can be in in awe and, and thankful for God's power, and and yet be hard hearted, and not not kneel. I, I, um. The kneeling piece, I think, was important. I think each of these sections has got its own things, but the kneeling and the submission to God and um, being the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand is um, something that's hard for us sometimes. I think it's, you know, again, we can look at His power and say, hey, create the universe, but why aren't you taking care of me? Why aren't you doing what, what I need right now?
0: Well, starting at the beginning, what, what is making a joyful noise or praising look like for you? Is that just singing in church, or how does that manifest
1: manifest itself in you? Um, you know, I was it last week we were talking about praise that really made me start thinking that. Um, I've always thought of it. This I don't think of myself as a, a incredibly emotive person, so I don't. I'm a more reserved um, person, so I don't know that I can answer what it would look like for me to make a joyful noise. Um, I do think of that as singing. I mean, I I do think maybe, um, singing is one of the things that I would, would relate to with that. But a lot of times I feel like it's, it's trying to create this emotional piece rather than, um, rather than the song emanating from a place of, of, of great joy. If that, make sense without sound, making me sound terrible <laughs> because i think that's something that i that, i think that's something that we struggle with you know i i um I, as you you did you know i grew up going to church from the time i was a little baby and um you know so so um and, and i grew up going to a church that was fairly reserved and conservative and um quiet and uh what's the word uh quiet in order or whatever. Um, yeah. Explosive bursts of emotion were frowned upon. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a challenge for me to be honest with you. I wonder what, uh, those
0: people would have said if, uh, <laughs> if David had burst in and started dancing around
1: like a bad man, <laughs> I can imagine that wouldn't have gone over too well. Uh, they would have said, excuse me, you need to get out of here because we're <laughs> trying to have a worship service and praise God. <laughs> um, you can't worship here this is church. <laughs> but I, but I really do like what you said and, and I am still processing all these things as we go. I, I I did kind of move on to this one but you know I I hope that my the things that I do um it can be joyful even though if it's it's not it's not maybe out you know it may not look joyful from the outside but hopefully if I'm we talked last week I think about praising God being doing what you do well and doing it for God's glory. Um, So, I don't know. So, why do you think God likes it when we praise Him? Is He just narcissistic? No. The answer is no. He's not narcissistic. That's the thing. You know, He doesn't need it. Um, Here's my my initial thought about that. Um, You know, again, the only thing, the only way I can conceptualize this is as a father with his child. and, you know, as a, as a father, we do things for our kids, um, not so they will love us or not so they will be appreciative of us. We do things for our kids because we love them. Um, now, and this is foreshadowing to the end of this here, but um, our kids can either um, be thankful for what we're doing and, and be aware of what we're doing for them and and submit to that leadership and authority and accept that that guidance, or they can be ungrateful and unappreciative and harden their hearts and be demanding. And, and, and that's problematic. Um, and and I think that, um, you know, that's, that's the only way I can think of that is it's not that God needs us to praise him. We, you know, what is it Jesus said? He could make those rocks jump up and praise him. Um, I think he, he, he likes for us to praise him because He knows that we're getting it. I don't know. What do you think? Do you have a better answer than that? Not really. I, I don't... I can't... I don't know why God likes it. I, I, I think a
0: side effect... I mean, I don't think he, he likes that just because of the effect it has us, but I think the side effect it does have on us is when we start looking somewhere else, I think that's generally healthy for us. It seems that as humans, we don't do really well when we're always focused on ourselves and praising a God that's greater is serves the purpose of pointing our direction somewhere else, and it's pointing our direction at something else that can't fail that is actually greater. I mean, we could praise other people, but they're going to either disappoint us someday or die someday or both. Whereas the God who created the world, he won't do either. And so if we actually do look on that, I think the uh, positive effect for us is just centering us on something else. I don't think God wants us to praise him just as some kind of it's mental not to game ego, to help our right. he- mental health or something,
1: but that's certainly a huge benefit of it. Well, and I think that's right. And I think we, well, I mean, this goes back again to what we talked about last week. Um, when we praise God, when we focus on the great things that God has done, we, we see that he is powerful and great and the creator, and we put, that puts us in the right position with him. Um, If we are not praising him for what he's done, then we're not going to really be able to have the relationship with him that we should have, um, which is that submissive relationship, that submitting to his leadership and authority that talks about in the second part of that. Um, I want to talk about this um, just before we move on from this first section. Um, The the rock of salvation, I, I spent a little time trying to think about that. Do you have any Insight into into that at all?
0: Uh, I don't think I have insight, but uh, the the th- thought, what it makes me think and feel, is just this this unmovable foundation that yeah. can't be moved. And you know, you're, were this the floodwaters are rising, and you can climb up on the rock, and you'll be saved. I mean, it, it really will save us because it's not going to move. It's like a, the scene in. The end of Return of the King when Frodo and uh, Sam made it outside of the the um, oh man the place where the ring fell in. Is it Mordor? Is that the right? Is that right? It's in Mordor. I'm can't believe I forgot the name of the <laughs> the, the Here. gates Let's. of doom or something like that. And you know it's a Let's volcano get Brad Wyland and fast to- And they climb out in this last little precipice and it's just, it's there. And like the lava is surrounding them. I mean, maybe that's a bad example because in the end it does get swallowed up and the the Mm -hmm. eagles rescue them. But if you could pretend that rock wasn't moving, just like this rock that doesn't move and it can save you. Yeah. That's the kind of what
1: comes to my mind when I read that. Yeah. That's, I think I was thinking something like that. I was thinking, um, and I did a little a little reading to dig into that a little bit. But um, you know, think about David several times was hiding in the caves in the mountains. Um and and that provided him some safety. That um anyway, I don't know if that's what's referring to, but it's just interesting. We've used that I've used that phrase a lot, or or thought about that phrase and sang the song, but just really thinking about what is a rock of salvation, um was kinda of interesting to me. So That metaphor comes up a lot
0: in David's Psalms,
1: I believe. Uh, yeah, it does. It does. And then of course, you know, you get farther on when um, Jesus tells Peter that, you know, you're my rock um, or on this rock, I'm going to build my church. So um, I don't know. So what about the, we're ready to move on to the second section here that the yeah. um, it, you know, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Um, What's What's your okay? So you asked about my experience with being joyful. Um, have you? What's your thoughts? Kneeling and worshiping is—is is that something that you've seen a lot, as far as the uh, physical posture? Um, I like you. Grew up in a tradition that didn't do that kind
0: of thing, so I guess it smelled too Catholic or something. But uh, like almost anything. If you grow up with that, it can be taken to the point where it doesn't mean much to you. But for me, I think bowing down—I've tried sometimes to really bow down—and it has helped me in those moments to do that. I—I I don't know—I don't know if it didn't make me—it didn't make me holier or anything like that. But I think that a physical physical component really can center you. I mean, we are body and spirit. And to pretend we're just spirit and then what we do with our body doesn't matter. It only matters what we're thinking. I think that's missing out on a huge part of who we are. On the other hand, if you only do it in your body and your heart isn't in the right place, that doesn't really mean much either. So I think physical actions are important. And I, I think it's a, it's a shame the tradition we grew up in has uh, rejected most of that.
1: Yeah, and and... I've I'm I, t- I totally agree with that I think that um that I've, I've tried that at times and it, it sometimes it feels contrived it feels like oh I'm just doing this and it's it's yeah yeah um it's hard to do that you know it, with with uh, anyway that's just hard to do sometimes um but I we had a moment just re- just a few months ago um when um I guess most everybody here goes to church building, Green. But anyway, when Ellie was, um, was in the hospital after she had her baby and, um, we had a group that met at the church building to pray for her and we were all standing in the circle and it wasn't a big deal, but I remember, and I guess she probably wouldn't want me to mention her, but I will anyway, but Carol Burt, um, just was on her knees and praying, begging God for Ellie to be healed. And I was, it was really moving. Um, and she wasn't doing it to be a show offer to, to do anything, but just, um, it, it was just really, a, a um, I don't know. It's, it's a sign of humility, really. I mean, I know there's, you know, all the things I know what it means, but to actually do it is, is, um, something that we're not really used to as much, but again, we see it all the time. Um, well, to me, it seems an important thing to do, not only because the example
0: after example after example but uh, I mean I guess it shouldn't be contrived and there's, it's not like this secret like oh well if you kneel down and all of a sudden your prayers will be answered I mean it, it's right. just one part of it and it's combined with a lot of other parts of spiritual discipline that have a physical component and I, I think like I said before just that's some of the the unfortunate consequences of our you know our birth tradition is tried to reject a lot or has rejected a lot of components of that have been part of Christianity for thousands of years. And I think that's to its own detriment. And, um, you know, maybe that's a a challenge. If it's challenging to do that, maybe it's something that you should practice and uh, certainly doing it so that other people see you kneel down is absolutely not the right
1: thing. Right. But yeah. And, And I think that's the, that, that makes it difficult too, because you, you, you want to do it for the right reasons, but then when other people are looking at you, you don't want to be, you know, so anyway that's the the anecdote this reminds me
0: of I guess it's the opposite of bowing down but I, when I was in college I went to a church with a, a friend of mine once and he went to kind of a mainstream evangelical church and with the the modern worship service where everyone had their arms in their air and you, you kind of felt awkward if you didn't because that's what everyone did was everyone had their both arms up and uh, it was very challenging for me to do that and I remember one day I just kind of gave in and I raised my hands too and it felt good I don't know how much of that was just fitting in with the crowd because everyone else is doing it but uh I've talked to other people that have kind of grown up in that tradition and they right. actually prefer not doing it because for them that became just this thing that, that you did do. because everyone else did and it didn't really mean anything either so I mean anything can be taken to a extreme and there's always a danger of like you grew up one way and then you see it the different way and ooh, that's so great and Right. amazing but
1: <laughs> it could be abused too absolutely and and um i think there's there's any of those things that we do could become just rote or natural um i, I do like the stories uh, you know over and over and over again um we we're, we're watching the chosen uh, as a family and there's an episode this is i don't want to give us give any spoilers away but jesus does this miracle with some a lot of fish coming into the boat for peter and um i mean i don't think you can spoil the the the, the miracle i mean
0: it's (laughs) statute of limitations on spoiler alert don't tell what happens at the
1: end i haven't seen the end of it yet um wait does jesus die and come back (laughs) (laughs) oh man um no but but there's you see it when um he is it, i love i love the chosen by the way if if, if anybody's watching this and, or listening to this and interested in watching it but um peter is so desperate for somebody to for something to save him and he's trying to do it himself trying to do it himself trying to do it himself and then jesus comes and provides the answer to everything and and he just it's just so natural in that moment for him to fall it's not contrived. It's not something he's made up. He's not trying, he doesn't care about anybody else. He's just falling at the feet of the person who has, because of, because of the power and because of that personal um connection. So. Um, yeah. I love that episode too. I, I really in, enjoyed the, the
0: chosen season one as well. And what I liked is that how the actor who played Peter just portrayed just the kind of resignation up until that point. He just didn't really. Yep. believe it he he had his own problems that they talk that happened in the season and he's just like jesus tells him hey just casts on that side and he's like uh okay fine whatever you yep. know this isn't going to work and then it works and he doesn't have any other way of responding than just to praise him but it wasn't he wasn't
1: expecting that right right and and so and i love this piece and and um being that this, even there's that short phrase in verse seven, for he is our God. Um, I, I really try to spend a little time just on, on that phrase. I mean, there's a lot of, of nuance, I think, just with that, you know, that um, it's interesting that the, the first part talks about God owning um, his, his, in his hands, the depths of the earth, uh, the mountains, the peaks, of the mountains are his, the sea is his his, he, his hands form the dry land, but then it says that it doesn't say that we are his people. It doesn't start off with that. It says that he is our God. There's a, it's, it's very relational, um, that, that he belongs to us and we belong to him. And, um, I, I just really thought that was really kind of a cool, um, little statement. Um, and then the people of his pasture, Uh, the sheep of his hand all that it's a very very different feel from the he created the mountains and he's holding the depths of the earth in his hands and um you know I really like that that little phrase that's one of my favorite songs too so that probably doesn't you know hurt any but um I'd say like I said last week I I think that that
0: that first probably still sticks out to me the most of all this what I thought about it and just what I've meditated on is really feeling you're, you're we're he is our God. We are part of a people. And it's not just the people who all agree to the same set of um, propositions. It's like we're, we are His. We are part of His family. We're His, part of His flock. I don't, I don't know how much of this is just my own background and baggage, but uh, in the way I grew up, I, I feel like I was taught the Bible and I was taught the truths that you're supposed to agree to. Um, but I personally didn't really feel part of God's people. I mean I, I was part of groups of people mm. but uh, it was often groups of people who all kind of agreed to the same things until some people didn't and then they went to find another group and just this this deep feeling of we are part of God's people mm-hmm. and I think that's that's another part of the church and I mean when you start reading about Christian history, I mean, Christian history did not start in the 1850s, it started (laughs) 2,000 years ago, and there's just so much rich history of people that believed in the same God that are part of the same flock as we are today, and that's been really enriching to me to really read about. Uh, Recently, I read a letter from a bishop in the year 250 going through a plague in Carthage and Hmm. realizing, like, he, he is part of the same people that... I am, and we're certainly different. And I probably don't believe all the right things and maybe he did, but we're part of this thing. Right. And it's not just because we kind of agree to the same philosophy for a while. We're actually part of. We were baptized into Christ's death. And that's what I get out of this is that we are his people. We're not just looking at some God that created the world from afar, kind of like the the deists of the the early American experience did, you know, they, they generally say, Oh sure. There was a God. He created it, but you know, he's hands off now he's up there somewhere right. and we're kind of here, believing in whatever we want. No, we are part of his people and he created the world and he's glorious and grand, but he's not up there. He's our shepherd. You know, right. we're the sheep of his hand. And I guess that's why that leads into the last part, why it's so much more hurtful to him when his sheep then don't trust him. And he's trying to lead them through the wilderness. And instead of following them, getting what's good, they start going the other way and complaining.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that they, actually that experience that the Israelites had or that God had with the Israelites is very close to this, um, this progression, this cycle that we've talked about here. You know, they were brought out of Egypt because of, these great plagues that God brought on the people of Egypt and the Pharaoh, and then they left Egypt and then they were, they crossed the red sea and you and like they... to think that at least by the red sea, you would have kind of maybe gotten it, you know?
0: Well, yeah. The plagues, then... maybe you could chalk it up as that melts, but I mean, like walking through the red sea, I feel
1: like I would have gotten it at that point. You would think that after that you go, you know what? I'm okay, God, whatever you say, I will do whatever you want to do. I trust that you can do. If you made this, this pathway through the sea, then you can do anything. And yet they turn around and they go, Hey, there's nothing to drink here. And then God creates the water. It makes the, the water, the bitter water better. Betty bought it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he, he makes the the bitter water better. And so then they go on for a little while and they're like, Hey, wait, we're hungry. And then he, he sends manna and then they say, wait, we're thirsty again. And that's when he, he, um, says this, 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 uh, 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 what is it? Massa and, and Meribah and Massa in the wilderness. Um, I mean, this is right after they have come through the Red Sea. And and I, I think kind of the same thing, you know, there's this great, powerful, you're the rock of our salvation. Um, we're going to kneel and we're going to worship you. We're going to follow you because you part of the Red Sea. And oh, by the way, um, it's it's hot in here, or it's cold in here, or I don't have enough food, or I don't have enough water, or why aren't you doing it's this? The same for me? food. I want different food. I know it's it's and and it, that led me to really spend a lot of time thinking about just what does it mean to be hard hearted? What does it mean? Why why I don't know what your thoughts are, but why we get so what it means to have your heart hardened? Do you have
0: any any? Uh, I don't have any deep insight there. There's a couple of anecdotes. That I remember I had a roommate once. I won't mention who. Uh, I haven't talked to him in decades now. But this was in college. And something happened. And I remember I, I confronted him about something that I felt like he did that he shouldn't have done. And he was just sitting at the table kind of like picking at his nails. And he wouldn't even look at me. Mm. And I, it, it, I don't feel like I at least used to be before I had kids, a particularly angry person. But I remember just getting more angry than I can think of because he just didn't even engage me. Like I, I wanted to bring that to him and I probably did it in the wrong way. I'm I'm only remembering my side, but that's kind of my picture of a kind of a hard heart. Cause he just stood there or sat there rather at their kitchen table, picking at his nails without even looking at me. Mm. And just the look on his face was like, I'm not going to listen to you. I don't care about you at all. I have my idea about stuff. And so That to me is the kind of mental image that always comes up when I hear the the phrase hardened to the heart, where you're not even willing to engage or listen. Even if you disagree, you're not even willing to disagree. You just shut it off completely. Right. And that's what a hardened heart sound means to me. And I don't know if a hardened heart is ever a good thing. I mean, and there's maybe times where you need to be Defensive or protective, but completely hard seems to be a unhealthy place to be.
1: Yeah, I've I've known some people, and and not nothing like that necessarily, but um, I, I think of situations. And it's it's really seemingly in relationships when one person wants to, one person may have done something wrong, and they want to apologize or they want to make it right, but the other person won't have anything to do with it, or the other person won't let it happen because they have just they've closed themselves off to the other person. they have made it's it's a conscious decision. there's probably some other stuff with it, some hurt, some fear, whatever, but they've made a conscious decision to shut themselves off from this other person um, and and I think of um, people who would allow I'm trying I can't really think of any specific examples, but people who would, Um, uh, I don't know. I watch too much TV. I've got lots of, uh, (laughs) TV shows going through my head and that's not really good examples, but, um, you know, anybody who would willingly turn away from a person who needed help, I think would be hard-hearted. Um, anybody who would, would refuse to offer forgiveness to a person who was asking for it, who needed it. Um, I I guess more, more of my examples are with kids that I've worked with and their, and their families and, and kids who are, um, vulnerable, but they have, um, have, have, you know, made mistakes and then they're trying to make, make it right. And they're trying to get back with their family and the family just won't have anything to do with them anymore. And that, that breaks my heart because it's like, how how can you be so hard hearted that you won't accept this child? Um, you know, I'll get, well, we can always talk about uh, hypothetical scenarios, but you know, what if
0: that, 25-year-old child is a drug addict, and every time they've been there, they've rif- rifled through your wallet and taken all your money and used it and gotten high, and they've done that repeatedly. I mean, yeah. there's well, forgiveness, but then there's always the question of what: how, how do you love someone if they're being destructive, at, not just at your expense, but
1: basically powered by you? Right. Well, and I, I think, I mean, I've seen, I've seen situations like that where, but they, people may set some boundaries and may set some limits and may turn their back. They may turn their back on that person, but it breaks their heart. It's not because they don't care. Mm -hmm. It's because they, they know that it's for the best for the other person. And, um, hopefully, theoretically, you know, in a perfect world, um, We've. I've, I can think of people I've worked with um, who, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, they are unaffected by by anything, and um, it's just it's just tough. You know, I, I sometimes they, uh, listened to too much Simon and Garfunkel and took it to, to heart. Right? <laughs> I'm a rock right. and I'm an island. That's right. Um, you know, I, I I think of situations with. Um, one of my children, I won't say which one, um, just recently, one of my kids was was doing something and I was really frustrated and I was really upset and I didn't lose my mind. I didn't do anything wrong. Don't worry about that. But um, I was really angry. And and then as soon as that kid came to me and said, hey, I'm sorry for being disrespectful. my heart I, My heart melted is the only way I could describe it, you know? You're you're angry. You're frustrated. You you're thinking of all the things you could take away, all the punishments you could mete out. But as soon as there's a, an apology, you you feel this weight lifted. You feel this wall removed. That that you know, and that's I guess I'm, as I was thinking about this hard-hearted piece, um, that really kind of impacted me this week too. Um, to think about that, but you know, I, well, just I also think, thought about in. In this scenario, this, you know, this is God's people, and
0: I guess I used to have this view of, oh, you know, this is God's holy people because they're so great and they follow God. <laughs> and you certainly had holy people that were Israelites, but yeah. I mean, the story of that people from the very beginning up until at least Jesus's time was not a particularly good one. I mean, the, the founding fathers of the of the of the people did lots of things they should have done. They did not, you know, the, 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 patriarchs weren't particularly great people very often. And, you know, the generation when Jesus came was like the worst of the worst. Yep. And yet this would, that was, was God's people. And I, that, it's interesting that God picked this people, not because they were holy, but he picked them because he wanted them and he made them holy. And he came himself to this people, not because they were great. Yes. And it's kind of interesting thinking about that and thinking about David. I, do we know if this is a Psalm
1: of David? I mean, it doesn't say it on the Psalm, but I don't know if uh, you know. Like a... um, I, one of the I, oddly enough, one of the things I did read about this, um, you know, in Hebrews, it um, Hebrews they quote this Psalm um, about not hardening your hearts as you did in the day of rebellion, um, and it is attributed to. Well, it says. Um, it says something about David in Hebrews, but it could be you know the Book of David. It could it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that it was David that wrote it. So we don't really know. I don't think for sure. But um, well, that's one thing
0: about about David is that with the with a few exceptions, he didn't have a hard heart. I mean, I I think you could argue he hardened his heart in a, the episode with Uriah and Bathsheba, but most of the time, the scenarios when we read about him even yep. his his mortal enemies he cared about them and it pierced him deeply that Saul didn't like him it pierced him deeply when his own son didn't like him even as the mm-hmm. the enemies um he cared about so i guess david's a good example of someone who
1: as in general did not harden his heart yeah yeah and and um and i think that that's the, i think that's a really good good point you know when when um that he did maintain that love for other people, even the people who were trying to hurt him. Even the people
0: and, in the stories, you know, when Nathan comes and tells him the story of the, uh, the, um, the poor man and the poor man's mm-hmm. lamb. I mean, David is so irate just in hearing this story. You can tell that. I mean, he was a very emotional person and he didn't harden his heart about that.
1: And, and so, yeah. And so David being a man after God's own heart, I mean, I think that is the thing that, that, um, as I keep thinking, you know, reading through these psalms, we're we're seeing the heart of God. We're seeing the heart of David and and those who wrote the psalms, but we're also seeing the heart of God and and that love and concern and care and compassion that He has for those who need it and for those who are are hurting, um, even those who are enemies. I think is really important. So, what do you think about God loathing a generation for forty years and swearing
0: that they're not going to enter my? rest that's a pretty negative way to end this song
1: I know I, I know it's very strong language and you know I I guess and first of all I did notice too that you know verse 8 seems to be a change of voice um it says if you hear today if you hear his voice I mean this seems to be God's message to the people do not harden your hearts um I think that's a it's a little scary but it is a warning that um I heard somebody say recently that you know well God loves everybody and and so everybody's going to be okay. It's like, well, that's not really the way it goes, you know. And and I think to your point earlier, if God had chosen the Israelites because they were such great people, then I would I don't know that we would have much hope for especially. Never mind. I'm in a dark place about society right now. I went to Kroger. Ugh. Um but you know, um if 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 we had to be a great nation or great group of people in order to receive God's favor, then we are all lost. But the fact that he chose this, this nation, and then we see his patience, except in this situation, um, you know, that I I think we, we get a lot of hope from that. But as far as him loathing a generation, um, he, he did, um, I, I don't, I don't know, Kenan, I, that, that's scary, but it does it does kind of refute the whole idea that, well, God's just, God's a loving God, and he's just, it's all going to be okay for everybody. Um, there's a certain well, amount. I mean, to, to, to not, not to um, negate what you
0: said, but at the same time, those people, you know, their children were able to, in, to enter the rest. So they yes. didn't enter the promised land, but God didn't forsake them forever. He didn't destroy them as a people, which is be kind of a final Thinks. I mean, even though he wasn't happy with them and he loathed them, he didn't destroy
1: them as a people. Right. And yes, exactly. And and I think that um, I think that um, the the piece of this that you you see this during the story of of the Israelites, um, you see this here. The reason they did not enter the rest is because their hearts were hardened. Um, If you look through and I want to do this, and this is going to be a, a new uh, series at work when I do devotionals at work sometime, if we ever go back, go back to doing that again, um, about people who are hard in their hearts. I mean, think about Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh's heart was hard. Um, the, the Israelites' hearts were hard here. Uh, I think the Pharisees had hard hearts. They, um, they saw Lazarus raised from the dead and rather than falling at Jesus' feet and asking for forgiveness, they went out to try to figure out how to kill him. Um, it, those are the people that receive God's wrath. It's not the people who are um, trying and 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 failing, or the people who make mistakes and try to come back. It's the people who who refuse to. Um, Accept God's leadership, refuse to come back to Him. I, I don't have a good ending. To that I'm, I lost my train of thought there. But um, it's the hardened hearts that's the thing that causes that that brings God's wrath. It seems. I don't want to make a definitive statement about that. I need to think about that a little bit more. But that's. But you're right. That's a scary. That's a that's a dark place to be. Um, I, I don't I don't have an answer to this, and maybe it's just something to to be thinking about, but. Um, I was trying to think a little bit about what that looks like. What would that would look like for us today? Um, What would a hardened heart look like for us in 2020? Um, Part of it may be looking at um, racism or uh, poverty or, um, you know, sexual assault or pick a pick a thing. Um, that is an evil in the world and, and not having compassion on those people. I mean, you, you know, we've, we've seen throughout the Bible, God's, God's desire to help the orphan and the widow and God desire um, mercy and not sacrifice. You know, I think there's, that would be the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, as far well, as I have that lots like to, to,
0: to talk about this, I, uh, much of which I probably shouldn't get into, but, uh, I, I, I'm not happy with where we're at at least in the United States in 2020 in a lot of ways there' seem to be kind of things broken into like the, the left and the right and, and I and you're kind of supposed to depending on which side you're on believe in a set of things and a c- certain way and I think there there's there's a set of things that that involves being really compassionate about other people but it also involves a lot of other things which I, I can't agree to but if you don't take all of that then you're not really part of that side and vice versa and it it it, uh, i think it's shameful the way some people i guess if to break it up on the right uh, don't care about people who are really disadvantaged people who have suffered from systemic racism for their entire lives and that's like well we don't care about that because they could have you know, there's opportunities for them. And yet people on the other side may not recognize that, uh, yes, we should care about those people. And we should also care about children that haven't been born yet. Yeah. Uh, and it, obviously there's a whole spectrum of stuff. But it's, it's frustrating that we can't – or I'm, I was about to say we can't be. But we certainly can be. But uh, that you're kind of pushed to one of these two extremes in which misses a lot. And I, I think generally a lot of Christians – Not certainly not all, but a lot of Christians gonna gravitate to the more the right side of the spectrum. And I think that that there's a lot of compassion that gets lost when you start focusing on your rights and what I'm allowed to do and what the government can't take from me, and whether or not those may be true. You know, our government is not in this world and our allegiance and our nationality should be first and foremost to Christ. And the way he lived was kind of sideways or in a different dimension from a lot of the stuff happening in, in the civil governments he was around. And he certainly showed respect to the civil governments, but he was first and foremost concerned with the people and and showing compassion and showing love. And I I hope that we can really first and foremost be citizens of God's kingdom. And that overshadows everything else we do here. And I hope that you and I can, and anyone listening to this can live up to that. And it's unfortunate that there's a lot of pushing to the extremes in America in 2020.
1: Yep. Probably said too much. <laughs> hey, I, I, I think I agree a lot with all of that. I'm, um, and I definitely don't want to get in, into a, a, I think we could, I'll just say I agree with you on the, on all that, and I think it's it, when we start focusing more on what our um, I, I agree with you. There's there's no one one side of either thing that uh, that totally does what God wants us to do. God God has compassion for the disadvantaged, and he he wants to stand up for the rights of the unborn. And I think there are and those aren't the only two issues, but But, um, we get, so we do get stuck in and try to, um, pick a side and, and, um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really frustrated about that. I think that's where I've been really today. I've really been just overwhelmed with, you know, we can't even, we can't even agree on what doctor to listen to much less, you know, if we can't agree on, on how to deal with the public health crisis, then I don't, we're not going to agree on anything. And so uh, that's I, i'm totally with you our citizenship is in heaven and um not that we not that we can't be involved or vote or whatever but we've got to be more um more focused on what we can do here now and i think probably for for most of my life i've been more focused on which political candidate is in office than i have been about doing good myself no matter which party is in 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 power so um, yeah, I, I think we're. My, one of my hopes is that we can can do better about that. So, I don't know. Hey, um, I
0: think it's up to us to to be better. I mean, we can hope that the world is better, but you know, this is a um, an apocalypse in the true sense of the definition of the word, a, a revealing, a revelation of reality. And as we mention every week, that today is May 9th, twenty twenty, and we're still in the. In oh, I thought we were gonna the, miss COVID-19. it. <laughs> pandemic quarantine and uh, things are getting interesting there's a lot of disagreement more and more disagreement coming up uh, publicly about whether people like or dislike what various governments have done or whatever but in any case for us this should be an unveiling for a a reminder of where our citizenship really is and I think you can make arguments that some governments have done better than others some levels of governments better than others but at the end of the day if we really believe in this stuff that we've been talking about, it, I was about to say it shouldn't matter. Obviously, it does matter a great deal, but it's not the ult- It doesn't matter to the ultimate way, and I, I don't think that means like we should say, "Oh, well, I don't care what I do. You know, I'm not afraid of anything because I'm going to go to heaven anyway." That's probably not the right approach. But realizing, deeply, deeply realizing, this world is not our home. And that means that I am here to show love and to be like Jesus. And I'm going to do that and try to do that the best I can inside the context of what's going on. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because there's something more important going on here. There's a spiritual dimension to all of this. And so the question is not what the government does or what they do or what you do. is, But what do I do? How do I react? Am well, I going and- to show love in my context? Am I going to follow Jesus and not just
1: keep saying, I I like him. Right. And to me, it's, it's in the midst of whatever situation we're in, how do we, what are the opportunities that I have to reflect God's presence in my life to the people around me? And um, I think when we are, when we're fussing and fighting and arguing about, whether I have to wear a mask to Kroger or not, um, we we really miss an opportunity. We're more focused. Well, here's the thing, I'm going on a limb here, the the Israelites, what were they getting upset about? They were getting upset about their circumstances, about their comfort, this water, there's no water, there's no bread, and and they got, God had just done this amazing set of miracles to deliver them, and they're focused on their comfort. And they're they're and and by the way, not having food or water is very different than having to wear a mask to go get my food and water. And no bread flour again, weeks and weeks in a row. I, I don't have any. Lee, bread you flour. have to go
0: at the right time. They do stock you them. You tell me that. In the morning
1: in the <sighs> middle of the week, they often will have at least I one don't, brand. I can only go once a week because anyway. Um. So anyway. Ah. Uh. I don't have any bread flour, God. Why are you, why do you hate me? Um, No, that was a joke for, um, but but that's the thing is that we are, the people were selfish. The people were so selfish that they could not get past the fact that they were uncomfortable and they didn't like their situation. And so therefore let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to where we're before, before God saved us because we don't appreciate God saving us because it's, it's made our life difficult. And I don't want to, I want to get off of this because I'm not in a good place, but you know, I I think that we have got to be light and salt to the world around us. And, um, we can't do that if we're just sitting around complaining about on either side, if we're just complaining about what all is going on. Uh, so anyway, that's well,
0: I think to wrap this back to what you were saying about uh, hardening our hearts. You know, where's the focus? Am I going to be thinking all the time about what I had to give up, or what you know, I can't go to the gym, I can't do this, or we're going to think about well, the people who demonstrably have been suffering through this. They were, they weren't. Well, so do I care about them enough to realize? Well, you know, I'd really like to go to the gym or to the restaurant, but um, it seems like that, or just visit my parents or visit someone. Right. Or go do something fun with a bunch of people, you know, am is that going to impact someone? And am I thinking about just what I get to do? Or am I thinking about like, well, how can I try to protect other people? Where's our heart? And I mean, I'm not trying to make this blanket statement, oh, it's wrong to go well to the gym or something, but it's like where's my heart? What's the first thing I'm thinking about? And is the first thing I'm thinking about what I get to do, or how do I affect other people?
1: Now here's my other, I said I was done, but I'm not. Um, The, because the other thing is true too. The thing that I realized today is if I, Oh shoot. I had it in my head. Just how to say that the way that we, if I get frustrated with other people who have a different opinion about how things should be handled, if I am just as angry or frustrated about them as I am, as they are about me, well then I'm not really doing any good. I mean, I have to understand their their prerogative too. I mean, there are people there are people who aren't able to work and are afraid, and there are people who, you know, th- there's all kinds of different things. So I don't want to be too far on one side or the other. I definitely have an opinion, but I can't be so I can't be so self righteous about my opinion that I don't value other people's opinions too, because then I'm getting into that that what's the word that um, dichotomy or, or that that's not the right word. That um, you know what I mean. Um, you can see my hands going in the video here. Uh, so anyway, I want to be sure that because it, that's the thing. Whether people want to open everything back up or people want to shut everything down, we gotta love them, and and we have to love each other. And if we would all just just love each other, then we would we truly love each other. Then we're gonna we're gonna seek to understand both sides. So anyway. I guess like
0: I just said a couple minutes, so the way I see it is is not so much necessarily the first thing that what you do whether you think this is good or that's good or you suggest that we should open up or not open up or whatever but the question is where your heart is What what's your first priority yes yes and I, that's kind of what i saw with jesus you know jesus was ambivalent about the civil authorities but he didn't say you shouldn't follow them it was like that, that it was it was lower in priority but it wasn't like didn't matter right Obviously what they did did matter. and you see that over and over in the scriptures, you know that what the civil governments did absolutely did have a great deal effect on people's lives. But what was most important, and the same with when you're interacting with other people, there, you know there were Pharisees who followed Jesus and came to him too, because they saw that first instead of his holding on to the harness. So like where's our hearts? is our first reaction to think about what I get to do? Or is the first reaction, how can I interact with other people? How can I love them? How can I put them first? And in ma- maybe the end, we end up doing the same thing. But it's it's internally, where do you start from? Where's your right. your starting place? And I think that's where we should, if we want to be like Jesus, that seems to be what Jesus did. Yep. Was he first looked at other people and saw them where they were at instead of trying to see like what? How he could use them or what he could get
1: out of them. I agree. Well, good. I'm glad we fixed that for both people who are listening to this. I'm sure y'all appreciate our opinions. Um, so, Kenan, it feels like we've been doing this for a long time. Should we uh, jump to the next? Let's go to 146. 146 is the is the the psalm we picked for next next week. Do you want me to just read that? It's only ten verses. Please do. Yeah. All right. And this is the New American Standard version. It says, "Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul." I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord raises up those who are bowed down, the Lord loves the righteous, the Lord protects the strangers, He supports the fatherless and the widow, but He thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. So I read that today as I was I was looking ahead and trying to look for one that would work, and there were just several pieces of that. I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but um several pieces of that that I thought were just really good because it's got really focuses on, on God's compassion for those who are um, less than that's not.
0: Yeah. I think it fits very well to what we're talking. Our, is our primary concern with
1: helping people or primary concern ourselves? Well, and where's our trust? I like that verse three where do not trust in princes or in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, Uh, you know, Uh, that's that word again. Which one? Hevel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I've, I've, I guess that to me, uh, thinking a lot about, you know, where, where do I put my trust? Where do I, what do I focus on? So anyway, I don't know. You have any other thoughts about that? Just Uh, not really. I'm looking forward to meditating on this this week. All right. Good deal. Well, you got any, any parting shots here? I feel like we've covered the gamut of things here. Yeah, probably said it just enough to get ourselves in trouble with <laughs> all three
0: of our listeners. But uh, thank you, Lee, for doing this with me. Hey, no problem. I've, as we've said all along, I've enjoyed doing this. And it's been really good to spend time each week. It's kind of held me accountable to actually do this
1: and not just say I would read some psalms. And I've appreciated the accountability. Well, me too. And I've, I have enjoy being able to talk through with you. And um, it's good. I, I've... Uh, I really do love having to, having to be able the chance to be able to do this. So that's good. All right. Well. Well. Without further ado, then, uh, we
0: wish you all listening grace and peace in this week. Farewell.